This episode of The Truth in This Art was brought to you by the generous support of the Gutierrez Memorial Fund. Learn more about their mission and their story at GutierrezMemorialFund.com. Also, this season of The Truth in This Art is supported by the Robert W. Deutsch Foundation. Learn more about their mission and their story at rwdfoundation.org. To the truth in this art beyond and we are back in philadelphia the city of brotherly love i am your host rob lee thanks for listening uh today i'm excited to be in conversation with my next guest an afro-caribbean artist living in philadelphia who creates work from the perspective of the systematically disenfranchised he uses discarded materials to explore the place objects hold in collective memory and abjection in constructing narratives. His work has been exhibited in numerous venues across the Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, and the United States, and he has received uh, several fellowships and scholarships. Please welcome Emilio Maldonado. Emilio Maldonado, thank you for joining the podcast. Um, and it's, it's great to have you here. I'm glad we were able to make this happen. And um, for starters, I always like to like tap in and get sort of the origins, the creative origins from the guest. So, you know, what, you know, where'd you grow up? What were some of those early creative experiences that sparked your interest in like creativity in art? Um, you know, sometimes it might be, hey, I went to a gallery when I was a kid and I was like, oh, hey, let me, you know, explore art from this lens, or I saw a painting, or I used to like comics, or what have you. So talk about growing up, and like, what was that first experience where you like recognized art and creativity? So uh, I think I, 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 I was always told by professors that I was a contrarian, I never understood what it meant, uh, like for real, I, I understood the, 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 the meaning of the word, but what is it that they were talking about? Like, and, and in this case, I think I, I, it encases a lot of that, he said, I became an artist by accident. I actually wasn't intending to. Mm. Uh, I am born in Dominican Republic and raised between Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico. Uh, my father was Puerto Rican, my mom is Dominican. And that alone uh, <laughs> already put certain things. Uh, the other thing is that I, I, I never fit anywhere, not even till today. In Dominican Republic, I wasn't uh, poor enough nor wealthy enough to be considered one or the other and then contextualized by both. And the same way, in terms of how I, I related to my environment, I, there was always like a, things that never fit me, and, and people would, would say these jokes that, that oh, you're you're crazy or whatever. And then, but within that, uh, what my what I consider today my artistic origins are are also kind of like in the midst of things because I used to love this Japanese show on, on national TV called Nopo and Gonta, okay. which they would be very playful and doing things with, with paper and then things that moved. And, and then lay, uh, we, uh, also uh, I was always into science. And uh, as a kid, I, I, I would teach myself things. I started learning chemistry by myself, started like reading books. And I used to love MacGyver. Nice. And <laughs> on top of that, uh, as an art 
related uh, reference, there was this show called Art Attack. Uh, there were two versions. One of them was from the UK, and they later, I think, the United States made another version. And what I liked about that was uh, resourcefulness, because it, it was never about straight making up the, uh, the thin. It would be something, I remember this clip that, uh, there were like a bunch of clips that they had like something artistic at the end, but he, a person like drops a, a, a suitcase full of money, and then he starts crumbling the, the, the money, yeah. and just throwing it, and arranging it in different ways, and throwing it, throwing it, and then at the end, when the, the camera span, pans out, then you get like the, the, the portrait of Queen something. So uh, those things were the ones that caught my attention. I used to spend a lot of time outside looking at plants, animals, wanting to know about where things came from and why. Yeah. And till today, then that has become the center of it. But it's still not even the, the when I m start making art part. So we'll go into that one in a moment. And I, I definitely have two comments I want to say that are, I think you'll appreciate. The name of my LLC is Contrarian Aquarian. So I'm definitely a contrarian. My, my partner tells me all the time, she's like, you're just... You just don't agree with things, do you? I was like, I don't know, man. She was like, there you go, right there, exactly. <laughs> and and um, it was one moment, right? Um, like I had this thing against Bradley Cooper, and we were in Philly recording this and Silver Lightning's playbook, right? And I just remember, um, I was like, I don't know if I like him. And so somehow I got tickets to the premiere of A Star is Born, which he mm -hmm. wrote, directs, sings, all of that. And I'm like, oh, man, I can't believe that happened. Tear rolls down. Mm -hmm. She's like, you're going through a contrarian spiral. You don't know what to mm -hmm. do with yourself. You don't like him, but you really like this movie. Mm -hmm. And so it's definitely one of those things. And, um, and lastly, uh, I remember being a kid. Um, and from a creative standpoint, I was really into Transformers, right? Mm -hmm. And... We'd go to different department stores, and you know, like the little things that would fall off the labels or the tags or whatever. I would find ways to cobble those things together and make my own version of Transformers mm. with like the different magnets, the clips, the tags that to, to come off of those garments. Mm. No, just in reference to that, in Dominican Republic, when I was like nine, 10, 11, there's some phenomenon that happened with Transformers, the series, and is that it became, Dominican Republic has this, this, this very interesting place on, on, on how things stick and, and, and manifest, but Transformers was such a big thing that kids on, on the neighborhoods, uh, they would want to just like have their own Transformers, and what started happening is that uh, Across this, the the city, in my experience, but maybe across the country, kids started building transform transformers out of flip flops. They would really? start carving the old flip flops that uh, would be just like already not not functional, and then attach them with that. As my memory goes, with an accuracy that is commendable. So, so that seeing that around is is just one another one of those experiences that really I like the things that I wasn't expecting from somewhere. Yeah. On, on the contrarian part, uh, it happens even with how I learn things. I usually learn things because I don't like things. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't like Star Wars. I think it's not a good story. Therefore, I, I started watching every movie and reading everything. And then the same thing happened with Dune. Yeah. I, I really did like the newer movie, but then I'm like, I kind of don't like it. Therefore, I am now reading the book number 10 of the series just because I don't like it. I have to find out why. No, I, I hear you. I hear you on that. It's like, I need to have an informed reason yes. why I don't like this. Yeah. No, absolutely. Like, I get to conversations of people who are like, 
like, I thought you never saw this. You know a lot about it because I want to know why I don't like it. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and people are also usually surprised because it's like, oh, but you know everything and you remember everything. And I'm like, yeah, like that's a side effect. But I, was, I wasn't <laughs> trying to. <laughs> like I need to get rid of some of this actually. <laughs> so, so talk about like, you know, your start in art. And um, if you will, talk about being an artist here in Philly. So that is a little more of a convoluted thing because life, I grew up in very conditions that, that in this country would be very contentious. So maybe mm. it would be cataloged uh, very, very high abuse or mm. near slavery in some Oof. way. I wasn't allowed to sit, to eat, to go into my own house, to play, to do anything without express permission. And... Uh, those created what something that I didn't, I, I wasn't considering is that I, I, I never learned how to be a, a kid or develop certain social skills. So when I went to college, I didn't do well. And I was, again, self-taught in, in many ways, and people thought that I was a very gifted or something. And when I went to college, it's like being in a space in which I didn't have uh, now this direct supervision. I didn't do super well and to kind of hide the fact I quote unquote changed majors so I went to this art school and even in art school I wasn't doing well mm. and and it reached to a spot then when the whole situation kind of like blew up within my family uh, the things that were said and done threw me into a space in which I had decided uh, that I, I was going through a thoughts and preparation for suicide and as an ending part of it I decided to make one painting uh, just to explain to everyone without actually explaining to anyone. But when I brought the painting to the classroom, uh, the day that I had everything like planned out, it was, oh, this is wrong tonight, I'm just doing this in the morning, uh, people started applauding. And since then, I didn't get it. Like I, I found very, very weird how I was misunderstood to that degree. And I spent then the rest of the time trying to prove to prove myself wrong. And then I started making this series of, 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 of artwork with the express purpose of being rejected, now overtly. And it's the opposite. When I started doing that is that people started appreciating the things that I was doing. Mm. And it became then uh, a, not a fascination, it's almost a compulsion to try to explore that space in which uh, things are misunderstood or overlooked. And how does that apply, not just with uh, people initially, but later my later work with like with objects and, and reading? Wow, uh, that that is one of the heaviest art starts yeah. that I've I've heard of. Um, and, um, and and thank you for for sharing that. Wow. Um, so searching for sort of that, and it, it kind of ties back to this idea of like searching for information. Yes, but it wasn't like it, it's maybe it was the contrary. I, I always like getting information. At some point, I, I, I thought, why do I learn so many things that I'm actually never going to apply? Yeah. And then at that time, it's the first time that I dared to speak with my own voice. So when you ask about how has it been to be an artist in, in Philadelphia, also ties down to what it is to be not just an artist, but an Afro man in the United States. And uh, I, after Dominican Republic, uh, I grew up between DR and Puerto Rico. So when, when, when I decided to move out from the country, initially it was to Puerto Rico. And then from there, I ended up living in Savannah, Georgia, where I did my master's degree at uh, Savannah College of Art and Design. Mm -hmm. Later, uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and then later Philadelphia. And Facing, encountering what it is to be a black man wasn't in wasn't at the forefront 
because I've always been an Afro man, Caribbean, you're Afro, with the way that we understand uh, uh, blackness is, is that it's part of all of us, regardless of how you look. Mm-hmm. And the same way that everything else is like a, a, a more nuanced view that also, also has its problematics. And then moving to Philly, nevertheless, is there's something, Philadelphia is the first city of the United States that I always feel that feels like me. It's kind of fucked up, but it's kind of okay. <laughs> and then uh, finding that that allowed that it, it held the space that that while I was learning from and learning through, uh, started embracing me too. It, it, it did put some some perspective there, and uh, it happened that uh, through 2020 is that I realized that regardless of the quote unquote problematics that I faced through my whole life, there is that they they ran in a almost parallel track with other narratives that had to do with how I am experienced in the world. Mm. Uh, and I, when I received, I received in 2021 the uh, uh, Muriel Lars Black Artist Fellowship, yeah. and uh, the first thing that I said when I was like presenting myself is like, "Hi, my name is Emilio Maldonado. I've been black since 2020, because I've been an Afro man my whole life, but the." perils of or the heaviness of growing up with the black narrative in the United States, I didn't have to experience because I, I grew up in the Caribbean. So the narrative was different. Yeah. And even my father, born in 1925, he's part of, he was part of the first generation of Puerto Ricans that moved to the United States in 1941. He was part of the Barroom Kinneers, uh, that, that is like a legendary uh, service uh, branch from Puerto Rican uh, uh, born and, and, and within the United States Army. And so he was a World War II vet. And so he lived, like when you watch uh, West Side Story, yeah. that's his story. Wow. <laughs> and I asked him, like, you leave racism in its prime. Like, why do you call me Negrito? Negrito is an endearment term in my country, and uh, when when I when I ask him, he said, "Emilio, you know this is a term of love." Yeah. I was hurt by by being by being called uh, in, uh, Negro in, in, in the United States, and within that, like you don't have that emotional baggage. So if anybody mm. ever tries to be racist towards you, you're really not going to understand it. And he, that is a part of privilege that, I, that I'm talking about because yeah. it has happened since I moved to the United States that when people have tried to do something, I just start laughing because I have no idea what the hell is going on. <laughs> What's this context? And I, I think like they're kind of funny. It's like, ah, oh, you really think I care. And later somebody else tells me, like, oh, no, they're like, and I'm like, no, like, that's their story. Yeah. And not mine. But in 2020, I realized that although it hasn't been my experience on an emotional level, because of access, I also have oh, not a responsibility, but a terms, and not even a, a thing of solidarity, but a re-recognition. I have to come back and really reconsider things that have happened in, in my life to see what is important for me to, to not forget from now on. Yeah. Wow, I, I mean, this this is like I feel like I'm learning a lot here, <laughs> just just like about life in general. So shout out to you, um, and and again, thank you for 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 being so open and and, and sharing. Like, just it's a lot, it's a lot there. Um, so talk about, if you will, like your your current work. Like, what are you pursuing? What, describe what the work is, and really, what are some of the themes that you're pursuing within that work? So, for me, art is religion. It's the way that I experience the divine in a way. It's the way that I also put myself in spaces that I don't want to be otherwise. It's the way that I, that I really connect within the confusion. There's a, right now, what I'm working 
I, I, and uh, every project that I do, uh, the media is defined by the project. I try not to say like this is the kind of artist that I am. I am a thinker, and I try to 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 just think about what is the the the, the objective and try to um, modulate everything uh, based on that. And but much of my work has to do with objects. Uh, right now, it, and it it is so based on a series of experiences. Like growing up in the DR, w what is wealth, and especially because of the nuances of the space uh, in which I grew up, uh, I was always very conscious of with not throwing things without giving it its proper use. Like Dominican Republic is not a put things on the curve culture, regardless of of, of the social sphere. Yeah. Uh, so you either use it until things break down, you fix it, and you have these things that may look mismatched, but nobody cares because it's like still functional. So why should you care? That's just aesthetic and da, da, da. And you also or you look for people to like who might need it and either sell it or give it away. And moving from there to the to Puerto Rico, and then from Puerto Rico then to United States, there are a couple things that although regardless the, of, of how you think and how much you know there's something about how your body learns to leave the space that you cannot uh, substitute or, or mediate and one of those things was for example watching the food network uh, I don't throw away for nothing in the world and watching the food network is one of the first things that have that gives me gag reflexes and it's because the idea of having a whole TV channel where food is just entertainment mm. is distasteful when I think I have been well, when I've have experienced myself and I've been so close to real hunger and then with that the, in that same way what does the the way we treat objects say not just in, in, in as a symbol because the object then becomes a symbol of the thing when it's not given its proper use which is something that hits me like how is it that we accumulate these amount of objects that we actually don't give them use yeah. therefore if you have a sword and it's stuck in the wall, you never use it to cut anything, it's not actually a sword. It's a symbol of a sword, the form of a sword. So within that semiotics, and it's something that I was very into at some point, and, and, and that, that how you build meaning through through uh, putting symbols one next to the other became uh, the way yeah. for me to express also spaces of, of, of dismissal and confusion that happen in communication. And that also happened in human relationships. So yeah. it became that, like that symbol that kind of encased all these things, so many things that I was interested. But then uh, closer realization, more attuned to the difficulties of, of, of existence came to me when I was talking with a uh, fellow artist, uh, Kafa Deus, uh, who has an awesome uh, body of work, if you don't know him. Might, might be doing an interview soon. Ooh, <laughs> oh, yeah, Kaf is really cool. So uh, when he and I were talking one day, and I was saying, like, like man, like I just realized that I make art with trash because of how many things in life has have tried to convince me that that's what I am. Mm. So I want to just always go fully into the things that I get bothered in the same way. Like I learn everything because I hate everything. So therefore, I, I let me every time that I see something that I feel emotionally hit by, I try to dive into it as much as I can just to figure why. Because yeah. I don't exactly know if my perception of the now is true understanding. I know that that's just my gut feeling and I, and I follow it. There's importance here. But what I say today I, I always sound very self-assured, and then you hear me make a, an argument that is totally contrary to what I said like half an hour later. It's because I've been thinking for half an hour. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's not because I wasn't sure. I wasn't very, very sure back then, but now I'm sure of this one. So that, that thing, and I'm not afraid of that change, of, of being embarrassed by myself. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those things where 
I I encounter on, on occasion where it's just like, oh, well, this is what I was thinking at this point. And you know, this is not related. I'm only using it to make this sort of connection. When people talk about someone's record, like you're on record saying this, it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. but my position has changed mm-hmm. on it because I've thought about it. I've learned more. Mm-hmm. I've progressed. I have had different experiences mm-hmm. since. So sometimes in, in doing this, I'm like, when, when folks are listening, it's like, well, you said this in episode 10. I was like, well, we're at episode 600. I would mm-hmm. hope I've learned something mm-hmm. over that time. And there are so many things. It's, it's so many different things that you've said so, so far that you can kind of piece through, like just the, 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 the idea of using something for its purpose, like using it for a long duration of time. Like this device here, I'm going to have this for a while. Mm-hmm. And I looked at like the most recent, like I have a mixer in the home. Mm-hmm. That I use to do most of my recording, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's like eight years old. Two of the outlets don't work, so it's like, all right, it has less of its use, but someone else can use it. Instead of throwing it away, it's like I'm gonna pass this on to someone else. They can use it. Maybe there's some magic left mm-hmm. in it. Maybe something they can get out of it. Maybe it can be their starter device to kind of pursue this at a low cost or low uh, sort of um, low low entry point. But you know, even that, to some extent, is is there's a, a nuance within it because. It, it, that is based on the idea that the full use that you conceptualize is the full use that another person conceptualizes. I, I love seeing like these weird videos where things that shouldn't be like are happening. I saw some years ago this video of an uh, old lady, not sure which country, black lady playing the guitar. The guitar just had two strings, and the music was fucking beautiful <laughs> and I'm like oh my god and, and, and it's that it's like what I think about this doesn't matter mm. even if, it, if it's not complete like, that's a perception thing and mm. a function thing depends on of how it's expected to be used and depending if it actually you need to go there how many people use Photoshop and never know all the functions it's, it's, it's one of those things yeah. like you saw me futzing around with this and it's yeah. like I know how to use it for this purpose yeah. and even it, it's, it's almost this thing where you talk to people who are creative and they know their thing. They know exactly what they're doing. It's almost like, well, you're not doing that right. No, that's the way I'm doing it, though. Yeah. And it might, like, I'm sure there's instances where folks will listen and it's like, well, you know, you could have you did this differently in the audio. Sure, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. We, we good? We're moving on to the next yeah. thing? This is what I'm, what I'm aiming. This is what I'm trying to do. And it's a lot of sort of allowances that yeah. we can have when we talk about process and how we go about what our stuff is. But at the end of the day, it's like, this is where I'm at now. This is how I'm thinking about it now. This is how I'm approaching it now. And then that's the difference between academia and, and actual professional practice, too. So mm-hmm. that, that runs a bunch of different levels. One thing that I, uh, that I tell my students, I also teach in, in, in art schools and in, in college. You and, would be an amazing teacher. You must be an amazing teacher. So one, what, the thing that I always tell my students, the first day I, I always say to them, uh, as long as you come to every class and deliver every, ho- every homework, you pass. But then at the end of the semester, what I ask them is, what grade do you want and why? Do you think you deserve it? And then what I what I try to do in the midst between point A to point B is to explain to them every aspect of yourself that you express through my class is what you're going to do the rest of your life with every professional endeavor that you're going to be at. Mm. Arriving on time is arriving on time to your work, and then uh, solving your 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 difficulties is the same thing. So within that is like, what do you do do you do? And 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 
teach them to fail. I always ask my students, I just want you guys to fail in every way possible through the semester because that way you'll know what you shouldn't do. And that, that the only thing that is going to be left is the thing that you should be working on. You learn the, you learn the boundaries. You, that, you learn your ba- the boundaries of the thing that you're trying to do and your boundaries in terms of imagination and in terms yeah. of the resourcefulness. And this is not quite related, but similar in the sense of you know, pushing to failure, right? Yes. Like I do this like fitness thing or what have you. We were talking a little bit before we got started. And one of the things they tell you when you're like lifting and all of that stuff, it's like, oh, you want to go to failure. Because then the next day you're able to do more, you know, you're able to grow capacity and so on. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's an interesting way of looking at yeah. it. But your average person, this is heavy. I don't want to lift this. <laughs> you know, what, when, I, when I go to the gym, the first thing that I do is that I just do five push-ups and go home. The first day I do five pushes. What I try to do is the next day I do I do at least one more than five. And because I'm like, if I do it that much, I'm gonna grow with it. Yeah. I'm gonna grow to what my emotion goes, and later I'm gonna really enjoy doing as much. And and it's not like I'm gonna go to the gym. I'm gonna spend a whole hour. It's like no, I've literally gone driven to the gym every spring because this is the whole thing. Every spring I drive to the to to the gym or or whatever to the gym, and if I just like walk five minutes and I'm like I'm kind of tired and I do five push and I'm kind of tired I go back home yeah. by default I have a summer body but <laughs> that disappears again in the winter but at, at least I feel good that I know that I'm doing this as, as the way that I am and not like oh this is a goal no the goal is to be better yeah you, you, the, the goal I think and, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong here but I think the goal is you want to still be you yeah because a lot of times we talk about transforming the mentality and all of that it's like no, this is what I'm doing at this moment. I'm yeah. controlling this. And, and it's a lot of, you know, with some of these pieces of advice that folks give of, hey, you should do this. It's like you, you wanted me to be different. Yeah. Like I'm still being me, yeah. whether it's in any any pursuit, whether it's creative or otherwise. It's like I still need to be me because yeah. I'm the one that's doing it. But I, I am very goal oriented. So the be something is what for. Like, it doesn't matter. It's like, ah, do you want to run? What for? Like, uh, am I going to outrun dogs? Like, you know. And then what, what happens with it is like, uh, I love the, the people that can do the thing. Like, a ninja is a ninja, regardless of how much exercise, as long as they can do their, their, their mission kind of thing. Yeah. And is that, that's the way that I feel. It's like, if you can do the thing that you really are down to do and you feel that you're, like, the best and whatever you can be, then it doesn't matter how you achieve it as long as it's healthy enough. So it goes with everything, with how you read, how you learn, how you work. Like As long as you can do the work really well, find the way to do it. If you have the space to find it out, too. It's really, really strong advice, strong words there. Um, so let's see. Um, so I, I got one more real question for you, and then I have some rapid-fire questions cool. for you, as someone would call the BS questions or the fake questions. So this, this last real question goes like this. As it relates to your work, just the, the overall thing, and I, and I know that there, there, there are multiple layers to it, I would imagine. What is that sort of main question that you're always asking? Because I've, I've heard that some people start off when they're doing something creative. It's like, this is the question that I'm always trying to answer, whether it's, you know, who are the artists that are doing good work in Baltimore, for sake of argument, which one could say is a question that I would ask. So for you, with the work and how you pursue your work, how you go about like your, your life at this point, like what is that main question that's there for you all the time? You know, I, I think I'm fascinated with the space in which communication is not enough. 
that it's like the, there is something that is misunderstood and never crosses completely. And that's what, that's part of like why I like a bunch of random objects sometimes. And it, they, these probably do have a history and story behind them. But I like the, that it, when you put a bunch of things together, people relate to the things that is just very, very personal. I like how one object can have multiple readings. And, and it's like a knife for a person is a symbol of violence. And another one is, is a symbol of home because they used to cook. Or, and, and, and having I used to play with that toy. Oh, and my brother like hit me in the head with a toy. Like, and though having two people there that can share their own experiences and then does something that that I, that I'm interested in, uh, small fascinations that they can share or yeah. small like stories that they can share. But I I am I think the thing that that calls me is the space of the misunderstood because that also happens with people. Yeah. And then, and and the question that I'm asking depends is the why sometimes I, I have this project that is uh, about these guns that I'm doing with crutches, and it's because I don't get gun culture. I, I, there I there the is something very like I've never shot a gun in my life. And people, oh, do you want to? It's like maybe I should because I'm like doing a project about that. But I there's something in my gut that is like there is nothing about this that gives me uh, this is right in any way. Even the defense part is like I just want to hope never to need these things. That's the only one thing that I know. I don't want to like be prepared when things happen because that's sad too. Like you have to hurt another person for you to like even that is so so the but why and then I start like trying to work those questions of why and and it's between a statement of how much I disagree or don't understand and a question of am I am I am I so far from 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 the mark like because yeah. th- th- I, I don't I like seeing people on their own their own uh, spaces like I understand that everyone is a product not just of their own being it's also about the spaces in which they inhabit like, what is the concept of mask doesn't matter how nice you are as a man uh, being from at least up to my generation and even till today everyone receive negative images or negative connotations or toxic connotations of what being a man was yeah. and those things have to be recognized i don't think they have to be like ignored and they just try to act right it's you have to speak it like i had a friend that it says yeah man doesn't matter how, how nice we are there's some toxic masculine is stuck in some somewhere around us and then to work around those things which is another project that I, that, that I started with CAF by the way uh, as a collaborator then does become like that question it's like like can can other people see this and then so th- from there is that that questioning of things that are very current or very in the air mm. thank you thank you uh, there, there, there's one question I always like ask when I'm confounded or I'm confused and if you know me, you've been. This is how you know if you know me. When I ask this, who's it for? Whenever I see something that just, it's like I think I'm relatively open-minded. And when I see something that's just so far off the mark, I don't feel like I don't get it. I'm just like, maybe it's not for me, but I want to know who's it for. <coughs> that's a that's a question that's usually sitting there for me. When I see something, I'm like, all right, mm. I get it. I, I think I, I see what you did. I understand mm. maybe why you did it. It doesn't speak to me in that mm-hmm. way. So I want to know who does it speak for and what are they experiencing? What are they feeling when they encounter whatever the thing is, whether it's art, whether it's writing, whatever? Mm. Are you asking the question of wh- wh- who is my work for? No, I'm just speaking like generally. Okay, but okay. if you want to throw that in, feel free. I mean, we got that bonus question we can throw in there. 
I mean, Please. it is it is for everyone on the way that they can receive it, but also it is about the people that that really don't see the that the things that I that I that I portray as a problem. Mm. If it is conflictive for you, then it is for you, and 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 if it is suiting for you to initiate conversation that open a part of you that you haven't shared with other people, and that gives you the access, then it is for you. And if it is for you to 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 connect with something and 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 just try to bring somebody else into sharing something, then it is for you too. Like I think it's that it's it's about human connection in, in one way or the other. See, you, you, see, you're just like batting all of my questions, like you're def- defending yourself, martial art, ninja style. I like it. I like it. Um, so I'm going to go into these rapid fire questions real quick. Um, and as I tell everyone, don't overthink them. They're they're goofy questions. Uh, when is your favorite time to work? Like, is it during like a part of the year? Is it part of the day? When is your favorite time to do work? When I don't want to work anymore. Like, it, and sadly, it's the thing. When I, I focus the best when I want to pee and I really cannot stand up. I, I, I start finally working on my regular job. Like, when I, the day is gone and I'm already late for everything and I should be doing something else, that's when I like doing I, I work best in the studio when I'm so tired that I should go to sleep because I have to go to work next day. For some reason, it's like that's the moment that I, that I become a genius. Like, everything else is a stupid person just bouncing around. Um, starting off your morning, coffee or tea? Uh, Adderall, like <laughs> I don't have a prescription, but I don't drink coffee or tea. I'm already like super energetic. If I drink coffee, you have me jumping and running everywhere. And tea, I take it as a social pleasantry. So <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I'll drink this, but I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. No, it's like it's a good thing, and you need hot beverages, and it clears your throat and thing. But I don't think about it. I have it if it's around. I'm, I'm almost waiting for you to say. Here's what I've learned about tea and why I don't like it. <laughs> I'm waiting for that. Uh, so, you know, working with the materials that you're working with, right? Um, what would you say is like a really weird item you found recently? Weird item. Like just unexpected. Like I found this one leg from a mannequin from dated this year. It's like, wow, that, how did I get oh, that? Well, a couple of days ago, I had uh, Billy Dufala help me out to go to his, his, uh, the director, coordinator or something, a rare residency on, on the north of Philly. And he really helped me out getting sourcing some materials from, from rare. And then while I'm going through there, there is uh, home refuse and usually are people that died or foreclosures and they cleared things out, which would be my heaven if people, you know, where I can get more stuff like that, bring me stuff. I have to make a, a shit ton of cubes. But then uh, uh, when we were going through this, there were these plates of... Uh, taken with a telescope, exposures of like long exposures of galaxies and stuff taken with telescopes in 1914, 15. Oh, wow. And then I found that. I, I found, which I have still to get it validated. I think that I found I don't want to mess the, 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 the tribe to which it should. I think because it's not a hobby. Uh, I think it's a Navajo vest. Mm-hmm. I found on, like on, on a thrift store thrown down and I like have it because I'm like, what do I do with this. I, usually I just stick things into cubes and they ru- get ruined but I'm trying to maybe the, be a little mindful so I'm just 50-50 considering it and so th- there are like these objects that I'm like I'm not sure if I want to destroy you Yeah. and and so but but yeah well that's 
that's pretty much it. Um, so one, I want to thank you for being on this podcast. And two, I want to invite and encourage you in these final moments to tell the folks where they can check you out, social media, all of that good stuff, uh, to learn more about your work. And uh, the floor is yours. Thank you. Uh, my Instagram is scottico12, S-C-O-T-T-I-C-O-1-2. Uh, and my uh, website is emiliomaldonado.com, E-M-I-L-I-O-M-A-L-D-O-N-A-D-O.com. Um, I think that's it. Thank you. And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Emilio Maldonado for coming onto the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art and culture in and around your neck of the woods. You've just got to look for it. Oh, 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 o